give you praise Lord we thank you now Lord I pray simply as we come to your word Holy Spirit thank you that you've allowed us to be in your family we long for those who are not here this morning we long for those who are not in this home we long for those who are broken estranged angry confused sitting in darkness Lord we were once there our prayer is that we would be their way into this place our prayer Lord is that you would use us as you've used others we pray for this wonderful city we know the condition of it we know the hardships around it but Lord I thank you that into the darkness you put a light called your church into the darkness you put our lives simple lives Lord God lives that you chose that when you found them were very foolish but you chose the foolish things of this world to confound even the wisest of the wise and Lord thank you we've all come from different places arrived here at different times but Lord I pray today again now would you help us be your hands and feet in this lost city Jesus because that is the heartbeat of the Father Lord the harvest is white and ready to reap would you help us to be laborers to bring that harvest into your house would you be would you help us to be just like you Jesus where you said or where it was said of you he's a friend of sinners he's a friend of the down and out the nobody Holy Spirit I pray rest on us rest on us in these days not just in the moments when we come to gather like this but rest on us individually as we go into our world to be a beacon of light and words of hope and hands that help and heal those all around us in Jesus name amen fantastic you may be seated what a great morning we're having. Wonderful. Faye and I weren't here last week. We were in Norway. We had a great time. Wonderful church. Lovely people over in Olesund. Uh, pray for the church there. They send their regards and their blessing. It was a wonderful, wonderful time that we had with the church there. What a great blessing. And Heart for the House offering. 17 and a half thousand pounds. Can you believe it? Absolutely incredible. And on behalf of the leadership here, we want to really, really thank you all. Because do you know what? 
A church like this doesn't exist and it doesn't center around one or two or three or four individuals. A family and a home exists around the people that make it a home, namely all of us. And I think, you know, two weeks ago, we saw that really evident on the screens as we, as we watched the incredible amount of work and the incredible amount of blessing that comes out of this family. And you know what? That is, I believe there's two things that, that contribute to that. Firstly, the number one contributor is the work of the Holy Spirit among us. It really is. Jesus is building his church. But secondly to that, the willingness and the faithfulness of our hearts and the consistency amidst all of the challenges that go on in, in our lives, amidst all of the hardships that sometimes we face, amidst all of the things that come around the corner that we don't expect. You know, there's an unrelenting, servant-hearted spirit in this house. There really is. And it's there as a result of Jesus. It really is. When he planted this church under the ministry of Pastor Ray 27 years ago, some of the ingredients in the soil that's made this church so healthy over many years, it's not great preaching, friends. It's not, you know, the latest uh, spiel from the platform. It really isn't. It's the Word of God being received by the people of God, germinating in their hearts, then rolling their sleeves up and creating a living faith, not a dead faith, but a living faith that works. Faith without works, James said, is dead. And I thank God for what I saw two weeks ago. My heart was so overjoyed. I saw a faith that wasn't just an em empty declaration, that wasn't just, you know, this great big spiel and this great big human promise that is just full of hot air, that's just like candy floss, that when you bite into it, there's no substance to it, it dissolves. What I saw was a faith in the people of God that's real, that's powerful, that works that's evident, that's tangible. So I was so encouraged, and I know you, all of you, what, a, what I, I think, you know, we should give Jesus praise right now. Thank him for the generous heart that he's placed in every single one of us. It's absolutely wonderful. It really is. So uh, over the next year, there's lots of things to spend that money on, namely fire doors and all the boring stuff that keep this place going, flooring, you know, decorating, maintenance. But we promise to use the money that you have faithfully given. We promise to use it wisely. We promise to steward it well. Very important. And we will give you an account next year when it comes around again exactly what we've done with your money in using it to not only facilitate this place and, and keep it, you know, relevant and where it is, but also into our city and around the region of Wales and into other nations as well. Is that okay? Fantastic. Awesome. Well, this morning, for the time we've got left, I want to just um, return to a verse of Scripture that we began to look at a number of weeks ago that Peter, Peter spoke to churches that he was ministering into. He wanted to encourage the people of God. And in 2 Peter 
chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, we find some wonderful words. And I, I really want to make you aware of these words that Peter uses as he encourages us and the people that he ministered to. He says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest also you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But this is the phrase that I used, and this is the phrase that I want us to concentrate on. This is the phrase that I want to try and show how practical and demonstrative it is when we begin to realize exactly what's happening in our lives. He says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow, he says, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life, just like your natural life, is all about growing. It's all about growing. It's not a stagnant life. It's not a life that you come into and, you know, the pause button is held and hit, so everything comes to a stop. No, it's a wonderful, dynamic life because Jesus is at the center of it. Jesus is, is building it and making it and creating it because you're precious to him. The Christian life is a relationship with God, and as a result of that relationship with God, you're guaranteed this, you're going to grow. You really are. You're not going to stay the way that you are. You're not going to be the person that you've been. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you've got to roll your sleeves up and get some kind of religious regime and get some kind of new method to your life that, that is you know, all about you doing something for God. No, it's not about what you can do for God. It's about what God is going to do for you. It really is. It really is. You're going to grow. You're not going to stay where you are and you're not going to be the person that you have been because this grace that we've received in our heart, it enables us to grow in ways that we never thought we could grow in. It enables us to grow in ways that we never imagined. It, it really does. You know, the Lord just had a little chat with me recently, and he put this to me. He said, uh, it's a really simple conversation, but it, he wanted me to understand something, and maybe today he wants you to understand this too. He said, hey, Dave, he said, if you had an unlimited amount of money... What kind of car would you buy? I thought, ooh, I don't really know, Lord. And as I thought about that, he came at me with another question. He said, Dave, if you had an unlimited amount of resources, what kind of house would you build? And I thought about that, and before I could answer it, he came with another question. He says, hey, Dave, you've got access to me. What kind of life do you want? What kind of life do you want? He wasn't interested in the car that I would buy. He wasn't at all interested in, you know, the house that I would build if I had unlimited resources. He wanted to get a message through to me. He wanted to make a point. He says, hey, Dave, you've got access to me, unlimited access over any time, over over any point in your life, you have unlimited access to me. What kind of life do you want? 
I, th I started thinking about all of the things that I've been given access to in Christ Jesus. Do you know Paul said to the Corinthian church when they were scrabbing, scrabbling around trying to get this and to get that and, and to elevate themselves into positions, Paul just, just said to them, he said, don't you realize all things belong to you? Everything's yours. Everything has been given to you as a result of your inheritance in Christ. What kind of life do you want? Do you want peace today? Well, he's the Prince of Peace. Do you, do you need healing in your body? Is that limiting your life and breaking your life apart? Then he's the healer. He said, he's the healer. I love it, Mark in that wheelchair. He's the first one to say amen. He's the one to shout the loudest and he's in a wheelchair. My God. What kind of life do you want? You see, as we begin to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as Peter encourages us to do, this growth enables us to live a life this growth enables us to experience a life that is beyond all of the limitations that we've grown up under. We've recently moved house to Pontypool. Oh, I'm telling you, we love it. We absolutely love it. I don't know what it is about Pontypool. I think it's the land of milk and honey. We were, serious now, we were in Egypt in Cumbran for 16 years under the heel of the slave masters of Cumbranistan. And now, hallelujah, we crossed our Jordan into Pontypool. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Brilliant. Wonderful. So we're in, we're in Pontypool. And in the process of moving, I went up into the attic. And, uh, oh man, what a job. 16 years of... Oh, stuff, stuff in the attic everywhere. And we had a job on our hands. Me and Faye, man, I just didn't realize that we had so much rubbish. It, it, it was like the, the house that we lived in had just become one big giant rubbish bin. All of this rubbish. And in the process of emptying stuff, in the process of, of removing stuff, I came across a little pair of Daniel's shoes. Oh, I knew that would get an awe. I knew it. Oh, a little teeny pair of his shoes. And it, you know, I, I don't know when we bought them at what point, but it must have been around, you know, the eight month or the 12 month stage when we bought him these pair of shoes. And then I came across this little white onesie that his body had once fit into. And I looked at that, you know, and you begin to reminisce and you begin to get emotional and you begin to think about the times that you held him in your arms and you looked into his eyes and all of those wonderful stages that, that we as parents had to take him through and all of our other children, we got four children and all of the little stages that they had to grow, you know, they couldn't eat solid food. They couldn't eat any food at first. They were just on milk. 
and there was that stage and then and then food had to be liquidized because it couldn't be solid and it had to resemble milk but it was a different substance and then they they were spitting it out and and going you know it was a mess you know the stages if you if you're a parent here this morning you're well aware of them and then you fit them into that little baby grow and the baby grow is way way too big for their body way 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 too big and you think in your mind, especially on your first, is it ever going to fill this baby grow? Is it ever going to grow beyond this, this little onesie? And then suddenly, you've got to patiently wait for growth, haven't you? You can't demand growth. You can't say, Daniel, you've been here a week now. You've been here a whole week. How haven't you filled the baby grow, boy? No. There's patience. Love is patient, isn't it? You may be really unsatisfied with your growth today. Other people may be pointing out about some stuff in your life. And they're demanding, why have you not grown beyond this? And your Father in heaven looks down with love in his eyes and pleasure in his heart. And he doesn't demand that you grow. As a father, he has wonderful patience and forbearance and long-suffering because he knows that you will grow. That those little, those little desires for just simple milk at the moment will one day turn into desires for strong meat that will change your life radically and enable you and empower you to do wonderful things for him. But at the moment, you're on, on milk, and that's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. Because growing is a process that we have to be patient with. And I held those little clothes, those little shoes, and my mind immediately went to the 11-year-old boy now that stands in our house. He doesn't need liquidized food. He still drinks milk. Part of his diet, but now he, he eats strong food. He has an appetite for more than just one thing. He has a whole appetite for many things, for good things that will build his body. Why? Because he's grown. He's grown. And your appetite, I'm telling you, church, is going to enlarge. Your appetite for God is going to get big. Your appetite for the promises of God that he's spoken over you are, are, are not going to be limited and they're not going to be shut away in a cupboard. Uh, they're going to grow inside you. And you're going to think, what is this? What is this growth? that's breaking me free of old ways of thinking, of old habits of life, of, of inferior ways of living, of small thinking. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's the grace of God. It's the favor of God on your life. It would be absolutely impossible. No matter how sentimental we are to ever put Daniel's foot in that little shoe. Impossible. Impossible. It would, be, it would be abusive for me to ever try 
to ever taking back to those former things. No, they're gone. They're over. And no matter how sentimental I get about the past, no matter how many, you know, emotional moments I have when I look at those little pictures of me holding him and me cuddling him and Faye when we were starting our family, no matter how emotional we get, the reality is they're never going back there. They're never going back there because they're growing and they're going on a journey and that journey is great. That journey has got challenges. That journey has got blessings and it's unpacking before them, but they're going up and they're going forward and they're developing and they're never going back from where they've come from. Ever, ever, ever. They're never, they're never going there. A healthy sign of life is always growth. Not fast growth. Fast growth is not a characteristic that runs with health. Fast growth can not be good. Slow growth is good. Slow growth is healthy. Slow growth over time, in right time, is what we want. So don't be impatient with your life and with your growth. Don't let others be impatient with you either. And put their burdens on you. Don't let others try and fit some ridiculously sized clothes clothes on your life when you're not ready to wear them. Don't wear them. Say, no, I'm not there. I'm not wearing that. The grace of God is allowing me to grow at the pace that the grace of God is measured to me in my life. Don't allow anybody to point the finger and I'm just warning you because they will come. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's not what my Bible says. And that's not what the grace of God is bringing me up on. No, you don't have to wear anything. You're growing steadily. And God is patient. And he's loving the process. And the time it's taken. And the time it is going to take to make us like Christ Jesus. I'm so, so glad about that. So we're growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say this. Just some simple things I'm going to throw out this morning because I want to encourage us. And the Word of God wants to encourage us. Grace cannot be hidden. It can't, you, can't, you can't hide the grace of God in your life. You can't hide the fact that you're growing. You know, when Daniel was growing physically and our other three daughters, the growth, the life couldn't be contained. The growth, the life couldn't be hidden. It just manifested itself day after day, week after week. And you've got no choice. You've got to go and buy new clothes. You've got no choice. You've got to go and spend money on new shoes. You can't save it. You can't keep it to go out. No, you've got to sacrifice that stuff. That all, of those, all of those pleasures have gone. No, you've, you've got to give your time, your commitment, your energy now to facilitate this growth. You can't hide it. You're growing in the grace of God. People are going to see it all over you. They're going to, they're going to be aware of it. They're going to hear it in your, in your voice. They're going to see it in your eyes. They're going to see it through the action of your hands because you can't hide grace. You're growing in it. It's there as a result 
of the new birth of the Spirit of God living inside you. And you're going to find yourself in situations and opportunities are going to come to you that's going to enable you to exercise this grace. And people are going to be aware of this grace inside you because you can't hide it. Let me tell you, grace has more than what's required for every issue that will present itself to you in life. It really will. Check Jesus out, man. He never ran away in the corner to one of the disciples and said, I can't take this anymore. Not another one. Not another problem. Not another crowd. Not another demoniac, not another leper, not another adulterer, not another sinner. They're all, they're all around. I'm in a sea of it. No. John, in his opening statement about Jesus, says incredible things about him. He says, the word of God was made flesh. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, who was full of grace and truth. And then he says, he said, we receive from his grace, grace upon grace. It was his way of saying there was just an infinite amount of kindness and goodness and grace being diffused from Jesus. He couldn't hide it. He couldn't contain it. It was just coming out of every pore of his skin. People were getting healed. People were getting delivered. People were getting changed. Whole countries and regions were coming to see him. What were they coming to see? What were they coming to receive? The fullness of this grace that was flowing out of him, that was coming towards them and changing everything it touched. You can't hide it. It's not invisible, it's tangible, it's real, and it manifests through you into a world that's in dire need. It manifests through you in your homes, in your families, and whether you believe this or not, friends, your, 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 your friends around you can see it. They can see it. They really can because it fine-tunes your actions, it fine-tunes your words, it fine-tunes everything about your life to position it to bring complete glory to God. And that's what life's about, bringing glory and praise to Him. It really is. Jesus said, whatever you do, don't hide it. Whatever you do, don't cover it. You don't put a light under a bed. You don't put a light under a cover. You, you, you lift the cover off that thing so everybody can see it. And you are the light of the world. Jesus said it. You are the light of the world. Even though sometimes you feel as if the, the winds of this world are trying to diminish your light and expel it, you are the light of the world. And go there into your world confidently with kindness in your heart and love in your mouth and in your mind. And great will be the blessing. It really will. You can see this grace. You can see it. It's tangible. It's real. You know, grace is not a doctrine that we argue with that we sit around the table and, you know, win the day with people. Grace is not 
a doctrine that we argue with. Grace is a demonstration. Jesus really didn't teach much about grace. When you look at his teachings, he taught a lot of amazing stuff, but he never really touched this area of grace. He just diffused it because it's not a doctrine. It's a demonstration. It's an action. It's an action. It's an act. You know, one of the most exciting books in the Bible is not called the the book of good intentions. You know, it's not called the book of facts. It's called the book of acts. It's called the book of acts for a reason. Acts of God's people. Acts of the church in a broken world. Acts of, of, of God's supernatural power resting on his people. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, talking about the apostles, but not only the apostles, the whole church of Jesus Christ that he had, he had brought into existence through the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it talks about this. It says, and the apostles had great power resting on them to talk about the resurrection in a dark world that didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. So they had great power to attest to the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead and it wasn't just words. There were signs, wonders and all kinds of miracles just coming out of the hands of simple, foolish people that God had picked up and chosen to use and suddenly the buildings were too small. They had to break out into hundreds and thousands of houses around the regions because the Holy Ghost started to get on them. And it says this, they were given great power and great grace rested on them all. You can read it, friends. It's in your Bible. Great grace is going to rest on his church. Great grace is not going to be ignored by this city, by this region, by this country, because great grace is going to enable us to do things that politicians and economists cannot do. Great grace is on the church. I'm telling you, you're going to prosper greatly. Wealth is coming to the house of God so that we can use it and establish his covenant with it. Great grace, favor of God, supernatural things are going to happen. This is just going to explode out of you because you're growing in this grace. It's great grace. It's powerful grace that revolutionizes cities and homes, ones and twos. Jesus didn't just need a crowd. Peter and Paul and the apostles just didn't need a crowd. They had loads of crowds, but the grace was extended to the ones and the twos. That's what I love about these early earthy apostles and prophets. They didn't just need, you know, a multitude of people in a stadium. One was valuable. Two was valuable. The grace of God was all inclusive to everyone and anyone because they knew the price that was paid just for one person, friends. Just for one person, if all you ever meet is one person and you, you, you encourage them and you show them kindness and love and help, you've done something great for God. Don't ever think that you, that you have to stand on a platform like this and preach to stadiums of people in order for your name to reach heaven's role. Jesus said, when you do it for the least of these, when you give them a cup of cold water in my name, what is that? That's grace, my friends. That's kindness. When you visit a prisoner, when you visit somebody that doesn't have any hope, when you do it for the the least of these, he said, 
You do it unto me. You see, grace will give you a different perspective about life, about Jesus, about his kingdom, and about his church. Oh, for one person, one person. Jesus, you know, in his word tells us the whole of heaven erupts with praise over one repentant sinner. The innumerable company of angels, all of the saints of of past times, everyone rises, everyone's attention is given, not to a miracle, not to a miracle. Oh, there's another one healed. Miracles are wonderful, not even to a move of the Spirit, but one sinner that turns to God from their heart. All of heaven is captivated. All of heaven attends to it. All of heaven applauds and rejoices. This is the grace that God wants us to move in and grow in and experience. It's great grace that just doesn't look at numbers. Jesus is full of grace and truth. That's why he said when 6,000, 7,000 gather in my name, I will be there in the midst. No, 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 no. Excellent. We know our Bible. We know our Bible. Let me tell you something now. A gathering is not important because there's numbers there. And I, we, we, yeah, hey, listen, we want the house of God to be filled. God wants his house to be filled. He, He says that clearly. Go out and invite everyone and anyone. He wants his house to be filled. But let's understand where God's word says, see, Because he's full of grace, he is the epitome of grace. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. I remember a man saying to me one day, he said, where do you go? I said, oh, sir, I go to the King's Church. He said, all right, that's great. He said, I only go to a small church. And the Spirit of God rose up inside me to encourage that man and to love that man. I said, sir, there is no small church. Because where two or three are gathered in the midst, Jesus said, I am there in the midst. It's impossible for your church to be small, sir. When the king of kings is among you, it's completely, it's an anathema. It's absolutely impossible for anything to be small when the king stands in the center, when the king of all kings who has the name above all names comes into the midst. It's impossible for anything to be small. He went away encouraged. And I went away encouraged because at the time I thought there was big churches and small churches. There's no such thing, people. And I I was learning as the Holy Ghost was talking through me. I can tell you. Oh, he corrects our thinking. I'm going to finish with this. I've got so much more to say. But... uh, Let me just say this, right? I wasn't going to say this, right? Because I I don't like getting off on songs. 
I don't, right? But we were singing a song this morning, and I, and, and I was the one, right, that asked the musicians to do it. But the Holy Spirit just wants to just bring a little bit of an adjustment. We're singing it, and it's my favorite one. Wake within me, wake within me. You like that one? It's great, isn't it? Wake within me, wake within me. And he just brought a little bit of instruction. He said, Dave, I've never been asleep. He said, I'm not asleep within you, son. He said, I'm not asleep. He said, I've never been asleep. He said, maybe you need to wake up. I said, oh, yeah, Lord, I need a lot of that. He said, but I never need to wake up. Because I've said to you, I neither slumber or sleep. And when it comes to your life and all of our lives, I'm telling you something now. God is wide awake. He's going somewhere. He knows exactly what he's doing. Because you are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, created for good works beforehand so that you might walk in them. Works of grace, works of goodness, works of kindness that are going to bring great attention and glory to Jesus. Now, I got so much more to say, but I'm going to leave it there because we don't want to burn the dinner. But we can think on those things. We can think on those things this week. I'm going to ask Joe to come. Grace is, what I wanted to get to say, right, is this grace is a demonstration, right? So this week, you're going to have some incredible opportunities to demonstrate this grace. You're going to have some incredible moments because you're going into a broken world. I'm going into a broken world. I've got some incredible moments ahead of me this week. And I'm asking the Lord to open my eyes. I'm asking the Lord to make me aware. I'm asking the Lord to give me moments and opportunities to just be kind. That would be a good start. Just be kind. Just to do something that somebody would need me to do. That may be out of touch with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says he was anointed by God. Luke look back, looks back at, at the time where Jesus walked the earth. And he said, oh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And the first thing, the first characteristic of this amazing power, this amazing grace, this amazing anointing that Jesus had, the first thing that he was enabled to do was this. It says, he went about doing good. Why don't we start there? Let's go about doing good. We are doing good. We really are. We saw it last week. It's incredible. The goodness that's coming out of this place. But next week, there's, so, there's a multitude of ways in which we are going to have opportunities just to do good. And you're going to be anointed to do it. You're going to be anointed to give that kind word. You're going to be anointed to give that meal. You're going to be anointed to take 
that young lad that's never had a father, that needs stability in his life. You're going to be anointed to do all manner of things. And you're going to go about next week and the week after doing good. Because that's what growing in grace is all about. It's about doing good. It says, oh, our God anointed him to do so much good. He went about doing good, healing all. That was the next step. Because grace leads you into places that you would never go. It it gets you before people that you would never ordinarily meet. Grace puts you in situations because you're growing it, growing in it, into, into, into situations where you think, whoa, what's going on here? This isn't my design. This isn't my decision. But I've been led on a journey. It's grace. Jesus did it all the time. And he went into situations and they were so dire. They were so desperate that nobody would have ever chosen to have gone there other than being divinely and sovereignly led there by the Spirit of God. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear him speak and he went in and when he saw the need he was so gripped and so captivated and even sometimes so annoyed with what sin had done that he desperately drew on the grace that he was so full of and he said I'm going to pray and something is going to happen something is going to change and he did it so freely and so fully to the poor he preached good news you're not talking just financially poor do you know what there's some people in Newport they haven't had a good word spoken to them for 10 years a bit of good news would be good wouldn't it God's going to lead you there God's going to take you there he's going to he's going to take you into these places of poverty where people just need just a kind word famished in a desert looking for a drink not of liquid, but just, hey, do you know what? I like your face. You've got a great smile. It's lovely to see you smiling. A kind word. People haven't had a, a kind word for years in their lives. Your grace is going to diffuse it. You're going to diffuse it. And you're going to be known for good works you're going to get a reputation that's what's going to happen you're going to get a reputation and it's going to be a very good one they're going to say whoa there goes a good person there goes a good person that person loves God that person loves Jesus they have a living active relationship with him and goodness just comes from them it's diffused they're so kind what is it you're going to heal broken hearts You're going to set free captives, some of you. Because you're going to be so, so taken into a pit. So taken into darkness. That that there's going to be such a, a strong drive inside your God. God's going to hear that cry. And he is going to heal broken hearts. This is grace. This is what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. We're going to unpack it. It's tangible. It's living. It's active. It's powerful. It manifests. You can see it. 
And everybody else can too and experience it. Is that okay? Maybe today you're here and you're here for the first time or you haven't been here for a long time. I want to pray for you, if I may. You know, I want to give you an opportunity just to maybe talk to Jesus for the first time today. Maybe today you felt that something's been happening in this place. You don't know what it is. I'm telling you now, Jesus has drawn close to you because he loves you. He's the only one that has given so much, his own blood, his life for you. There's nobody else in our past or even in our future that would ever, ever make such a commitment to remove the distance between us and God. Jesus did it. And he loves you and he's a savior. He wants to be your friend. He's so good. He is so good. He is so kind. He is so loving. Maybe your picture of God has been of an angry one. See lots of things on the news. People defacing God. God is kind. God is loving. He's so generous. He wants to give you peace in your heart. I want to pray right now. Would you pray this prayer quietly in your heart? People around you are closing their eyes in prayer for you. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I call on your name simply right now. Would you save me? I want you to be my friend my Savior, and my Lord.